Our reading this morning is short, much like it was last week. We've been doing lots of long readings over the summer in the book of Nehemiah with crazy names. This one is short and has no crazy names, but I want you to just close your eyes and hear this word. I'm going to come back to it a couple times here. Colossians 2, verses 6 through through 7, let this word wash over you. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So, it is uh, Vision Sunday, what we used to call Rally Sunday. Back in the day, it's taken a couple years to to have the name Vision uh, Sunday sort of take hold. I think it's starting to take hold in our community. This is the the Sunday where we ask, what is God's vision for us this year, for us as a church, but also individually to say, where is God leading us? It's important for us to take time, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, make a plan. Make a plan. Where is God at work, and how do we make a plan to listen to him and to follow his lead. It's also a time for us to remind ourselves and and review our mission and vision statement as a church. And uh, for those of you who are new with us, this will be a a great way for you to sort of understand what our heartbeat is as a church. And for those who have been here a while, it's always good to have a refresher as well. Our mission statement at Hinsdale Covenant Church is to be a community that is flourishing together together by growing, deepening roots, and bearing fruit. The shorthand of that, which you'll see all over our materials and our website and and what we do, is flourishing together. We put it down into two words, flourishing. The fullness of what God wants for us as his people, the the idea, the Hebrew idea of shalom, of a deep peace and well-being and flourishing, and we do that not on our own. We do that together, flourishing together in Jesus Christ. When we laid out this mission statement. The vision that we were given was this image of a tree, but not just the tree in the way that we see it standing on the ground. The fullness of that system of a tree, right? Where you have the the trunk, which is what we see sort of first. That's the, the growing element of that tree, the strength, the foundation. But we know that under the ground, there's a root system that's going deep down and getting nourished and Uh, getting nourishment and bringing that nourishment up into the whole system of that tree, up into the canopy, leaves, flowers, fruit-bearing area of the tree, growing, deepening roots, bearing fruit. And then last week, we had the opportunity to, to take a look at five core values as we live out that mission and vision. If you didn't get a chance to uh, be with us last week, I'd invite you to go back and watch that or listen to that so that you can understand some of our core values that we desire to be an authentic community, one that's biblically centered, one that's actively following Jesus, one that recognizes the legacy and mission that we're a part of and carries it forward, and a desire to be faithful stewards of all that God has given to us. So, today I get to talk about vision. I get to bring this all together into what is God's vision for us as a church and as individuals. And the way that I'm structuring this uh, is I have five things, five things that I'm going to go throughout this, this talk today, um, five things that I need you to know, 
that I need you to hear as the church today as we begin this new season together. That text that we went through, Colossians 2, 6 through 7, is going to form the foundation of what God's vision is for us. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, built up and established, in the, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So I'm asked every once in a while, what's your vision for the church? Usually it's, it's someone who's kind of new to our church or um, maybe new to the area and is trying to figure out if this is the church for them, and that's a question that I'll get. If you don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm Lars, I'm the lead pastor here, and part of what you as a church have done for me is you gave me a piece of paper when I took over as lead pastor. It's called Letter of Call, and one of the very first things on that Letter of Call in my job description is to lead us forward in vision as a church. But that's kind of a big question, right? We are at a backyard barbecue recently with someone who said, what's your vision for the church? And, and even though I know that mission statement by heart, I know our core values by heart, I know, I know how we live that out, I understand our programs as well as anybody, I still find myself stumbling a little bit, right? Because it's such a big question. I mean, if I stopped you right now and said, what's your vision for your life? Would you stumble for a moment? <laughs> what's your vision for your family? What's your vision for your work? What's your vision for your vocation? What's your vision? It's a huge question. So I did with this person, I went through our mission statement and our vision statement and, and our core values and some of our ministries, and I couldn't tell. Maybe they were a little disappointed that they wanted something a little different, right? They were maybe expecting not to hear the company line, but something that's sort of like a little more unique when we talk about vision. And I kind of desire that too. Think about it this way. Um, I'm, I am a sucker for viral videos. Some of those viral videos, the um, homecoming of military people, forget about it, right? I'm done when those come on. Um, the other one that I'm really a sucker for is, the, is these ones where they put glasses on a baby or they put hearing aids in for the first time and a baby can see or hear for the first time, right? So a child that couldn't see all of a sudden, and you know what's coming on his face in a second, right? As he hears mom's voice and is able to, to see that, what comes? A smile, right? I'm such a sucker for these videos. I love these videos so much. Every time I'm like, oh, there goes eight minutes of my life because I watched one of them and I had to watch three more of them, right? Um, and I love these. I love these videos. I love the purity and the beauty of these videos. And I think part of why I'm drawn to these videos, and maybe you are too, is we kind of want this experience, don't we? We want this experience where God speaks to us, or God shows up in our lives, and it's like everything changes. Like we couldn't see, and now we can see. We couldn't hear, and now we can hear. This is how we want God to, to reveal himself to us, to speak to us. And I know as a leader, as a pastor, this is so much of what I want, right? I want the magical God glasses to go, you didn't get anything, but here's the glasses, and now you understand everything clearly, and everything changes in just that moment. But the reality is, when God gives us vision— for what's next, it's not often this dramatic. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Maybe if you're lucky a couple times in your life, you'll have these sort of experiences. But more often than not, it is slow, and it's gradual, and it's not quite as dramatic as this. It's not like I can't see, and now I can see. It's not like Dorothy going into Oz, where it was black and white, and now it's in color. It's usually not as dramatic as that. And this is the first thing I want to tell you. Remember, five things that I need you to hear and know as a church today. First thing is this. God, when he talks, when he gives us a vision, is not asking us to reinvent the wheel, 
to start something completely, totally new, but instead to humbly build on the work that God is already doing. To humbly build on the work that God is already doing. We see this in this text in Colossians, right? Just as you received Christ, you came to know Christ, you accepted Christ, became a follower of Christ, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted, built up, established in the faith. Paul does not write to Colossian, the, the Colossian area of churches and say, do something completely and totally new. No, build on what's already been given to you. When they talk about just as you were taught, when Paul's talking about that, when he's talking about the faith, he's not talking about your personal faith between you and God that nobody else gets in on. This is the common faith of the church from the time of Jesus, through the apostles, and on through history. So when we, 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 when we read this today and we believe that God's word still speaks to us, we are actually being called to establish ourselves in the faith that's 2,000 years old, that's been carried through the church. And what does Paul say? Build on it. Be rooted in it. Build it up. Establish it. We actually um, have a pretty good visual from our own life here together as a church. Some of you know we did a renovation here in 2017 uh, of our sanctuary. If you weren't here before then, imagine there's a brick wall that goes all the way to this pillar right here, this, this, uh, this column here. And so the sight lines weren't great, and we had this, this vision of, for our 125th anniversary, re re renovating this space and making this a, a worship space for the next generation of worshipers here at Hinsdale Covenant. To see that come to fruition has been awesome. But while they were tearing this down, there were all these bricks, right? These are bricks that are original to this building, 1929-1930. They were laid by members of this church who were craftsmen in the area. There are uh, little records in our archive upstairs of, of little old ladies in the church pledging 10 cents a week for bricks. These are the bricks that they took out of this wall. And so we repurposed them. Some of you actually took some of these bricks. You were able to, to purchase them as a fundraising effort, bringing them into your homes, which was cool. But you can see there are some spaces wherever there's kind of a joint, a new kind of uh, area, there's places where you can see the mortar looks more new rather than old. You can see that if you're not on live stream, look at that picture there that I put up there. That's right in that sort of left corner up there. And as I was, we were getting ready to open, I, I started to look at that and I went, okay, I really want this reveal of this new space to be perfect, to be great. And I don't want people to be upset. So um, I talked to Brad, the foreman. I said, Brad, so it kinda, you can kind of tell what the new area is and where the bricks have been repurposed and where the old ones, is there a way to like change the mortar in any way so that those blend better together? Is there something we can do? And he's like, no, mortar is just over time. It'll start to look more worn and stuff, but that's what it's going to look like. And I said, well, yeah, but what if people are angry? What if they're like, I don't like that. And, and, and is there anything we can do to change that? And I remember what he said to me. He said, he said, tell the people that these bricks were worth saving. They're still good bricks and they were worth saving and they're going to be here 125 years from now which I thought was pretty great. I thought it was pretty great, right? But I look at that and I see that visual. We as a church, as we continue in ministry, there wasn't a sense of we're gonna go do something totally new. No, we, we have a mission and a legacy here that we're building on, that's established, that we're going deeper into and we're repurposing. Think about the book of Nehemiah, which we were just in all summer. Nehemiah, when he goes back, to the city of Jerusalem to build the walls. He doesn't build the walls in a new place. He doesn't look over at another ridge and go, let's do a new Jerusalem. This one's kind of 
done, right? It's kind of like done, it, it's lived its life. Let's go build a new one over here. No, he actually builds the wall right where it was out of the materials that were rubble on the ground. The same thing with his friend Zerubbabel who was charged with building the temple. He didn't build the temple in a new place. He took the, the, the stones and, 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 and the rubble from a destroyed temple and rebuilt it again saying, this is good. This is not something we want to throw away. It's something we want to build upon. We as a church are building on what God has already done here at Hinsdale coming to church for 130 years and all the way back to the teachings of Jesus 2,000 years ago and the way the church has lived those out. Now, here's the interesting thing. Staying the course, building on what's already established is a radical thing now. <laughs> Think about the institutions and places you know. It's always something bigger and better and newer, right? I go... Uh, when we go back to our college, uh, I'm not that far out of college. I'm, uh, well, I'm getting further out of college. But when I go back, I don't know if you have this experience, but it's like there are almost no buildings left from when I was there 20 years ago. Do you have that experience? Institutions move fast, right? It's newer, it's better, it's bigger, it's brighter, it's cleaner. And here we are saying, actually, I think God's vision is for us to build upon what we already have. Now, maybe some of you are a little disappointed by that. Maybe you wanted something that was a little more compelling. Maybe you were like, this is all you could come up with? Like, stay the course? That's kind of lame, right? But it doesn't have to be stale and old to stay, stay the course. In fact, I believe God is calling us to stay the course as a church in some new and fresh ways. So I want to just bring a couple themes to you, okay? Deepening discipleship and being equipped for mission. You've heard me talk about this a bit in weeks past. Deepening discipleship and equipped for mission. I believe God's calling us to continue to be rooted and to build up on what God has already done on 4th and Garfield in this church, throughout the church history, and in this season, he's calling us to do it by deepening in our discipleship and being equipped for mission. So second thing I want you to hear, remember five things? One, two, okay? God wants us to pursue deep discipleship, which must be centered on his word. What's discipleship? Discipleship is, at the, is that call to actively follow Jesus. So we're not okay with just a positional faith. Here's what I believe, and I'm good with God, and I'm positioned in the right place in my belief system. We're not looking for a casual encounter with Jesus where it's like, I come on Sunday, the band was great, sang my songs, saw a couple people and left, and then I'll see you next Sunday. No, we're called to discipleship, an active following of Jesus each and every day where we wake up in the morning saying, God, this day is yours. This is the day the Lord that you have made, O oh Lord. I want to rejoice and be glad in it and follow you through your son, Jesus Christ, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we go to bed at the end of the day saying, God, it's my heart's cry to follow you. That's deep discipleship. And for us, it's always centered around God's word. Because God's word is living and active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it guides us and leads us in the life of following Jesus. It becomes the standard for us to say, how do we live a life that is pleasing to God, that follows Jesus, and that makes an impact in this world? So how do we do that here at this church? How do we encourage discipleship centered around God's word? Well, one of the things that I want to encourage, especially as we are coming back, many of us are re-emerging from this very strange year and a half of our lives, is 
to commit ourselves to Sunday morning worship. You're here. You did it. That's awesome. Commit yourselves to being here because this is the place where God wants to do some of the deepest discipleship work in us to form us to follow him through ministry of the word and through worship and through prayers. I want to just walk through what our plan is uh, as a staff for this fall so you can have a little sneak preview of sermon series upcoming. Starting next week, we're going to start by looking at the question, why worship? Why do we sing? Have you asked that question? Have you ever thought about that? Or have you just gone to church forever and been like, I don't know, you just sing there. Why do we do that? Why do we stand when we sing? Great question. What does it mean for us to worship in our hearts? I, I, I got to tell you, I had a profound moment last night as I was running things through in my head last night and saying, God, what do you, is there anything else you want to say to the church or to me? And I, not audible voice of God, I haven't had that gift, that grace in my life, but the Spirit nudged me and said, I hear your voice for worship. I want your heart to sing. I want your heart to sing. What a challenge for me. But that's partly why we're doing this. Why worship? Why do we gather together? Why do we sing and what's our posture in worship? Then later on in the fall, in October, we're going to look at stories of people uh, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts who are transformed by Jesus, encounters with Jesus. Again, we love the, the glasses going on the babies, right? And things changed, like you couldn't see and now you can see. We're going to look at some of those stories and scriptures of being transformed by Christ and seek how does God want to, what, what themes can we pull out and how does God want to transform us? And then in November, we'll be walking through the very short book of Philemon, which ties all of this together. All of what we've been talking about, vision, uh, vision and values, uh, worship, transformed by Christ to appeal to primary identity, which is really what the book of Philemon is about, where a, a runaway slave is actually becomes a brother actually becomes a brother, how that changes our relationships. So that's where we're headed, and these are all focused on that deepening discipleship in Jesus. We want ministry of the word and worship here to form you to follow Jesus better. And a couple other things that we've talked about, reading Colossians together, as you've heard, we have opportunities in home, online, in groups that are meeting here at church, and even individually, devotionally, to be reading Colossians together. As we gather together in new ways, it's key, it's crucial that we gather around God's word. So we'll be doing that through the book of Colossians. And then we've talked a little bit about our canopy courses as well. These are uh, smaller cohorts of people who are focused on discipleship issues together. Joy started her journey through the Jewish holidays this week. Great start to that. I'll be starting in November practicing silence and solitude. If that sounds like you, someone that you something that you need to work on or uh, the opportunity to unplug, come talk to me. I'd love to have you join me. And then Simon, uh, in the winter, we'll begin talking about developing confidence in apologetics and evangelism, leading to a trip to Alaska Christian College in the summer of 2022. So these are ways that we're encouraging deepening discipleship. And I have a word, too. It's so awesome to see youth ministry fifth through uh, high schoolers all the way through here today. I, I have a word for you, too. I want you to know this is not just an adult thing. Our youth ministries are centered around God's word and calling you to a deeper discipleship as well. And you're going to experience that up in the loft and through your various ministries as well. So deepening discipleship. The second thing I want to point out is being equipped for mission. Staying the course means being equipped for mission. And this is the third thing I want you to hear today and know today. Rather than simply being fed, God wants us to focus on being equipped. It's so easy for us 
to come to church, again, to come in and be like, I, I, you know, I'm worn out from this week, I need to get filled up, and then I feel really great about myself and I'm ready for the week ahead. And that's, that's okay on the surface, but that is not the reason that you are here. It's not the reason why God wants you here. That's just the beginning of the reason why God wants you here. God wants you to be filled up in your spirit so that you can go and be on mission for him. And be on mission for him. This is a filling station, no question, but it's not a filling station for you. It's a filling station for your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers and your family and everyone that you interact with people that you have the opportunity to be Jesus towards. There's so many different ways I could talk about mission. I could talk about our global partners. I could talk about different ministries that are happening in and around this church, but I want to just focus on a few things. Ministry in, mission in, so the mission that's happening inside the church through our programming here, and then mission outside of the church, which only you can do. First, mission in, and I want to focus on just three areas that we prayerfully discern. Children's ministry, worship, and caring. As is tradition, this Sunday is often an opportunity to say, hey, here are some ways that you can get involved. And we've selected these three as places of deepest need right now for volunteers, for people who are prayerful and partnering with us. Children's ministry, as many of you know, uh, is a heartbeat of our church. It's vitally important for us to have a vibrant children's ministry and to continue that ministry because Children's ministry is always going to draw in new people. It has historically through this church because so many of our new people are family folks moving in out of the city, starting their kids in school uh, in our communities. And so children's ministry is vitally important. We need volunteers. We need volunteers to come and volunteer regularly with our children's ministry, and we need people who are willing to come once, maybe even twice a year to come and volunteer and to be blessed by those children and what they're learning. You also may know that we had a opportunity to put out a job description for a new children's ministry director so that Jade could move into uh, new areas of ministry and children's ministry. We weren't able to identify a candidate through that process. So we're going into a time of prayerful discernment, and we need you to pray with us for that. We trust in God's timing that this must be because God has exactly the right person at the right time, and it's not quite yet. But would you pray with us for just the exact right person who has a heart for these children and for God's work in the church? So children, and then worship. We need greeters, like Simon talked about. If you can smile, even through a mask, uh, you are qualified for that job. We need ushers. We need communion servers. We need people to use their musical gifts. And then caring ministry. As we re-engage in this, in this way, we put quite a bit of focus this summer recognizing we need to do much better in the way that we're caring for one another. We're disconnected. We're disconnected, and we don't want people to slip through the cracks. So we need people who, are, who have a heart for caring one, for one another to to be willing to pick up the phone and call a shut-in, to go visit someone who can't come to church, to maybe give a ride to somebody who can't drive, or to bring a meal to someone who's overwhelmed. Lots of times on Vision or Rally Sunday, we would have a bunch of clipboards out in the garden court for you to sign up. I didn't do that today, and partly because the, the biggest reason is because I actually want you to prayerfully do this. I don't want it to be compulsory. I want you to take a day to actually pray and go, God, how do you want me to answer this call? My, my pastor just challenged me. Children, worship, caring, these are our biggest needs. How can I meet those needs? And so you'll be hearing from me. Uh, you'll get an email tomorrow, and then you'll get one eight days from now, a week later, with the opportunities that are there and an opportunity to, to respond. So would you pray about how it is that you want to answer that call? That's just mission within. 
And there's mission out as well. And this is the fourth thing you need to hear. God's mission for us is at and on our doorstep. I've lived in Hinsdale for 15 years. Um, I've never seen so many strollers in this town. I don't know if that's the same for all of your communities, whether it's Willowbrook or Downers Grove or Riverside, wherever it is. We, I, know, I know whole blocks of town here that have turned over completely in the last year with new families. As houses are moving and new things are coming on, new people are coming in. So God's mission is at and on our doorsteps. Do you know your neighbors? When's the last time you had someone in, in the backyard just to, to get to know them better? Do you know the needs that are around you? I had this, this cool sort of vision of what if like 10 people walked away from this service day and they're like, we're going to do the block party in the next few weeks and we're going to be the ones who initiate it. And Hinsdale Covenant has this like block party ministry over the next month in our, in our areas where we live, where we can share love of Jesus with people. God's mission is at and on your doorstep. There's no way that we as pastors can be nearly as equipped as you are to do the ministry that is on your doorstep. Not a chance. Not a chance. You can do that. You can do that in your families and in your neighborhoods and in your places of work and in your connections. And part of why we come here for this is to be equipped to do that mission that God calls us to do. And then you are required to come back and tell us how God is at work so we can give thanks with you. So mission out and mission in. So that's a lot this morning. Deepening discipleship, equipped for mission, living out this mission statement of flourishing together. I'm aware and think about just the visual of this tree is not to just plant a new tree and hope that it takes, right? but to strengthen what's already there. And we continue in that mission together, strengthening on the good work that God has done so faithfully through this community for so long. And this is the fifth thing, fifth and last thing I need you to know. We're going to do this when we live into God's vision for us of a season of purposeful engagement. I, choose the, I chose that word carefully. Purposeful engagement with him and with one another. Now you might look at that and go, well, Obviously, we're at church. What, I mean, what else are we doing? Purposeful engagement with God and with other people. That's what church is, right? But we, we're all, in a way, you know, even if you don't know, we're all sort of coming out of fog, in a way. And it's going to take purposeful engagement for us to learn how to do this church and to, uh, together again and to hear and see God's vision for us. We have to be committed to purposefully engaging with God in our own personal devotional lives, but also together and with one another, with one another. That's my deep vision. It's not the most earth-shattering thing in the world. But I think if we live in this way and live this out, it's going to transform our church. I don't think just by purposeful engagement, it's going to be like putting on glasses and finally being able to see for the first time in our lives God's work in our life and in our world. But I do believe in my heart that we will find that over time, if we purposely engage with God and one another in these ways, that we're going to see things anew and we're going to see things afresh and it's going to lead to something. Did you pick up on what the end of that text is in Colossians 2.7? Abounding in what? Thanksgiving. Joy. Like the smile on those kids' faces. Abounding in thanksgiving and joy. So let's continue to seek God's vision, to receive it from him, and to abound 
in thanksgiving and joy. And we have no hope of this working without prayer. So Simon, would you lead us in prayer?